The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Prospect Podcast, sponsored by AndOneAnalytics.com. I'm Clay Link, alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, for the song Comb Over that we're using as our intro song this season. James, you just got back from, from a minor league trip this week. We're going to be focusing on your latest farm futures where you re- recap that trip. Went to Appleton, Wisconsin to see the, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers take on the Quad City River Bandits. Now, I went to 
to Appleton to see Cody Medeiros last year. Don't think he was he wasn't pitching in the games you saw. But for those of us, for those listeners out there who do do not really know, <coughs> excuse me, what Appleton is like, can you can you give us a some insight? <laughs> like just the the town and the ballpark, yeah. or uh, I would I would put a. I'd say it's a thirty town. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that's about fair. Give the ballpark like a forty. Yeah, 45. the ballpark isn't that terrible. No, I mean by it's a minor league park. You know, yeah. you don't expect it to be like you never expect those parks to be you know on the same level of of anything in like Scoreboard's Arizona right. or Florida or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, the yeah, I mean it. It was definitely a, a business trip. Didn't didn't do anything. <laughs> didn't do anything of note other than go to those games. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Medeiros, that was a good good call by you last year. Going to go see him. He's uh, he's up at High A now, so oh, graduated right. yeah. and you know, kind of getting used to the Florida State League. I think he'll he'll have a solid year. He's gotten off to a little bit of a rough start, but yeah, I mean, a lot of interesting guys uh kind of actually more on the milwaukee side even though uh probably the the two biggest names that were there were on the the houston side with kyle tucker and daz cameron i actually came away a bit more impressed with some of the milwaukee guys Hmm. and just uh in terms of my expectations going in i was kind of open open my eyes a little bit that's cool we'll uh touch more on that here shortly but yeah when i went to to Appleton to see Medeiros. Medeiros looked great. He went like seven innings with like one one hit ball, I think. But then there was like a ten run eighth inning. Really kind of soured me <laughs> on the whole experience. But uh, Appleton, yeah, we tried to find some some place to eat afterwards. It was like eight, and most places were closed. Uh, I think we stopped at like a Texas Roadhouse, something like that. Just not a whole lot there, but. Uh, it very was much a minor league town. Very like Molly, very like mm-hmm. strip Molly. Mm-hmm. Lots of businesses still in business in Appleton that have gone out of business yeah, in most cities, you know, <laughs> like because people have kind of graduated to doing things a, a different way. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a simple town. You it's know. a simple town for good, simple people. But look, I, I'm looking forward to going with you on a trip early next month. Yeah, where that, are we going? We're gonna go to South Bend, check out the uh, the Cubs Low A affiliate playing the same Wisconsin affiliate. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think you can really do much better in terms of two teams in the in the uh, Midwest League uh, than that that combination there. That that South Bend squad's really kind of loaded, especially in the the outfield and on the the pitching side of things. They have uh, Carson Sands and. Justin Steele, a couple interesting young lefties in that rotation, and Danny Dewey's, Eloy Jimenez, Eddie Martinez in the outfield there. So uh, looking forward to that one and looking forward to get uh, getting more eyes on, on these uh, Brewers guys too. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with one of these Brewers guys that you saw, Hassan Diaz. Big part of that Gene Segura trade. Uh, ways off, obviously, considering the, the low A level, but what's – what are the tools and what are the makeup like here with, with a player like Diaz? Yeah, Isan was just just a really cool cat. I really enjoyed talking with him. Uh, didn't really have any expectations of him being a, the type of guy that I'd put into like a top 100 kind of coming into this. But I definitely got definitely got swayed in that direction after watching him play and, and kind of talking to him a little bit and then 
talking to some other uh, guys in the scouting community about him. Uh, he's, you know, I, I think physical comp that I'd put on him would be like Rugnet Odor, you know, kind of a, a little, uh, you know, I think he's 5'10", Odor might be 5'11", and uh, similar similar weight in uh, both lefties. Uh, you know, he, he specifically said that the, the scout that signed him in the, the D-backs organization said his, his swing reminded him of Robinson Cano, and I can definitely see that uh, very kind of balanced swing at the plate. Uh, his, the makeup was the first thing that kind of stood out to me just because he was very, you know, a lot of times you talk to these these younger guys and they don't uh, they don't seem to have the right things maybe prioritized in terms of what they should be working on and um, and and kind of open to like certain aspects of the game that they need to get better on mm-hmm. and and also he was he was pretty humble about you know I, I talked to him and I talked to Monte Harrison I thought Diaz might have been the the more humble of the two and, and Diaz is the one that is the best player on the team one of the best players in that league uh, he you know the first thing he kind of stressed to me was that you know this year is sort of all about him getting better at defense and he's just really I think kind of desperate to prove to people that he's a shortstop and that he's going to stick there long term because he's heard all the uh, you know one of the main things people bring up with him if, if they're going to nitpick is that maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't stick at shortstop I definitely think it's way too early to decide that one way or the other, but I definitely don't think if he is moved off a of short, it'll have anything to do with the the work he puts in. So mm-hmm. that's really good to see. And then just, you know, at the plate, I, I was just really impressed. Really no weak, weaknesses in the approach. A uh, guy that can hit for above average power, I think, long term. I'd, I'd put at least uh, – 70 projection on the the hit tool i mean it's just really for a guy that age it just so advanced in the box really just laying off pretty much everything he needs to lay off taking the ball the other way uh not selling out for any pop you know i mean that that was kind of the one thing that would stand out if you just look at his numbers from rookie ball last year and you look at the fact he's a shortstop the power is the first thing that jumps out but I i don't think there's anything in his swing that suggests that he's selling out for that and certainly more than willing to settle for a single or take the ball the other way for a double and uh, a guy that I think could probably as he becomes more comfortable on the bases could be a a 10-12 steal a year guy in the big leagues. Wow that's that's cool exciting combination of tools here and good to hear about the makeup the maturity at this stage and you mentioned too that he spoke openly about wanting to be a leader Mm -hmm. already on this Tim Brattler's team at 19 years old. Uh, I, early adjustment, making that switch between organizations, but uh, early returns and, pretty positive. And like on that that note, like just one like kind of one story I shared was that like I was I was waiting that one of the other guys we're going to talk about Marcus Marcos Diplin who pitched the the first game I saw. I was waiting to interview him in the dugout, and he doesn't speak much English, which is understandable. Uh, but Diaz was just. He had just come in from stretching and kind of saw that we were waiting for another one of the the pitchers who was bilingual to to come in and and serve as the translator. And Isan just jumped right in and said, "I'll I'll do yeah, it." That's cool. Which you know, for a nineteen year old, and this is a guy who was traded less than three months ago, mm-hmm. and like 
you know, obviously he probably, you know, a lot of these guys are maybe playing with each other for the first time, but he doesn't know anyone on this team until he gets there this year and he just kind of jumps in and he was kind of clearly the, the leader out there. Uh, I also think it's interesting that he went to high school in Massachusetts and I, and he was still kind of highly regarded uh, for that area. And I think a top 100 uh, prospect in that, that draft class coming out, but you always wonder about those guys possibly being underrated because of playing in the North, Northeast, doesn't get scouted as heavily. Obviously, that's a famous story with Mike Trout and how he kind of slipped under the radar a little bit. I wonder if that possibly led to him not being this guy that was just always on everyone's radar. Yeah, that may have been the case. And definitely check out this article because, well, not only great writing, but you also have some video clips in here that you took. Rotowire.com slash radio, or I'm sorry, slash pod, one or the other. Either one works. For free 10-day trial, no credit card required, no strings attached. But the, the two video clips you have in here of, of Diaz pretty interesting because you have one where he's going opposite field and one where he's kind of pulling the ball uh looks too like you know these are the bat the ball's coming off the bat uh pretty hard and you mentioned that he has some work to do with you know on the base pass but he gets out of the box pretty quick and seems to be moving pretty well so yeah i think a double digit steals are, are possible at the major league level what do you think about the the swing and the the movement in the batter's box with that bat head before the swing. I, I mean, I think it's a timing mechanism and it's really worked for him so far. I think he, he, you know, he said when he got traded that the first thing the Brewers told him was to not change anything about his approach. And I think that that's wise. I mean, you never want to tinker with a player until they start to show signs of struggling. And, yeah, I think he's just he's a really good athlete. I think that's kind of what you're referring to with him getting out of the box, like not a you know, it's not plus, like high high effort. Yeah, know? yeah, not, not a like, plus runner, but not a guy who's ever going to look unathletic out yeah, there exactly. either. And you know, he in the field, I think it was kind of a mixed bag. There was a play like a uh, a hopper to his glove side that he just didn't get in front of, didn't get enough glove on it and that that was an error his first error of the year but then he also ran back into to shallow left field and caught a, a pop-up over his shoulder which was which was pretty impressive you know I think the the swing is I, I really like that the clip that I posted of him of him going the other way it's just just really easy just taking what the the pitcher gives mm-hmm. him uh getting it into the gap and yeah I mean I think it's it's the type of swing where I, I don't really see him having too much trouble uh, for either-handed pitchers coming at him. It's it's nice that he's a lefty, so he'll get the platoon advantage more often than not. But, um, you know, hit tool-wise, this is probably one of the best, if not the best, in low A right now. And I just – that's that was my big kind of takeaway here is I didn't, I didn't know whether, you know, it was just kind of a small sample in rookie ball last year. But, I mean, I, I really think he's going to just kind of hit all the way up the ladder – the power, I think, is going to be interesting to kind of see whether it it's you know fifteen homer power or whether it's twenty homer power and then the speed, as we talked about, not really sure where that's going to be, but definitely think this guy's going to hit enough to be an everyday player. Yeah, these you know I, I got to get down to Appleton to get eyes on this kid because yeah, you'll not see, somebody who's probably drafted. Yeah, that's right. Then. Probably not a player who's drafted in many 
Dynasty Keeper Leagues, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, I, I don't remember. He, I don't think he was on any top 100s that I saw coming into the year. So I think he would have been on pretty much every top 200 or top maybe maybe some top 150s. But you would have to be in a in a deeper league to end up with him. Yeah, that little bat wag timing mechanism before before he gets the the, the ball. Uh, it's pretty obvious in both clips, but especially in that first clip, you can see how quickly that bat moves through the zone mm-hmm. and that the angle of that swing too. Uh, definitely an intriguing hit tool there. But let's move on to Kyle Tucker, the Astros. Uh, fifth overall pick in 2015. Probably a guy that you had circled as one of the top priorities to, to scout on this trip. But what did you take away from seeing Kyle Tucker? You know, I, I didn't really – nothing really changed for me. I, I thought kind of everything I expected to see was there – He's, you know, he's, the first thing that stands out is he's the t- he was the tallest guy there, I think, on on either team, six uh, four, but a really kind of lanky six four, uh, just kind of a kind of a goofy looking kid when he's like walking around. Uh, you that know, Henry Owens re- face, maybe. Yeah, sort of, and and just really really skinny waist, um, like not a you know. <laughs> I, it's, it seems weird. Like I, I, I like to see like a big butt, like with my like <laughs> with my sluggers and like power hitters. I mean, like think Cannot of like lie. think like Ken Griffey Jr. You know, yeah, like exactly. I mean, uh, but you know Tucker more kind of, you know the the kind of almost looks like a high schooler's body, honestly, like in a uniform. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's got some some physical uh, maturing to do there, but really kind of easy to see why the Astros took him where they did because his bat to ball ability I think is just really impressive I mean he he struck out uh one time uh, via Marcos Diplon but and he's had some strikeouts um this season but I really think he's gonna be a, a really high contact rate guy uh you know he's kind of a old school you know no batting gloves gets the gets the Ted Williams comps on his his swing which not not because of like the way he impacts the ball but just kind of the casual you know arms low to the waist kind of mm-hmm. setup that he has uh i i just i think that the hit tool is going to be the thing for him and he can play they played him in center and in right i think he's I think he's a right fielder, maybe a left fielder, depending on who's on who's in right field when he gets there. But uh, definitely athletic enough right now to kind of masquerade in center field. Uh, but the the hit tool is going to be kind of what gets him there. How much power comes with that to me is the big question. I I could kind of see could kind of see him being a, a Christian Yelich type, where he's just so focused on that all fields approach and kind of getting good wood on the ball and, and taking what the pitcher gives him that it might be kind of a high average 15 to 20 steals, 12 to 15 home runs type of profile, which is plenty valuable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, that'd be, I think most, most in dynasty leagues would be thrilled if he became Christian Yelich. Uh, it's going to be tough, I'd say, because Yelich is so good. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I think that that's – assuming he goes that route with the speed over power. Uh, and the ground I, balls. I think that that's kind of your best-case scenario. He he probably actually – he puts the ball in the air a bit more than Yelich, but, I mean, it's so hard to project exactly what it'll be at this age. I mean, 
that was what kind of jumped out to me about Isan Diaz is he's 19, but looking at his kind of maturity in terms of what he wanted to do with the baseball and, and just his sort of setup and the fact that he was kind of in control of every single at bat versus a guy like Kyle Tucker, who's fifth overall pick, uh, also a teenager. Like I, I thought it was just kind of a very wide uh, gap there in terms of where they're at in, at the plate. So Kyle Tucker listed at six four one ninety. Uh, yeah, you're gonna need to fill out that frame to really tap into that power. I'd imagine yeah, only three ex- extra base hits this year so far in thirteen games, forty six at bats. But uh, that's something that he can add to his game if he does. And if he does mature as expected. I did want to. I one thing I stressed at the beginning here. Uh, don't yeah. Don't look at any of these guys' numbers for the most part unless it's just really kind of glaring which it which it sort of is on this next guy uh the, it's april it's chilly up there mm-hmm. this is a lot of these guys first not only the first taste of full season ball but their first taste of kind of playing in this climate their first uh t- tour of the midwest league it's yeah, it's, it's a big wise to point out. big adjustment for a lot of these guys so i wouldn't look at uh you know, Kyle Tucker's numbers can tell us a little bit, but I don't think they can tell us a whole lot right now. I think that that's just kind of another thing. Like, Isan Diaz is, like, he's number one in the, the league in OPS for uh, teenagers, and he's 12th overall in OPS. Uh, and this is his first tour of full season ball, so mm-hmm. I, I just think that makes his numbers all the more impressive. But, yeah, I mean, I would stress to not, not overreact to really what anyone's doing in the, the Midwest League or other – uh, single A leagues this time of year. Yeah, I'm with you. I just think, you know, it'd be nice if he was able, at least able to tap into some of that gap power right now. Yeah, because that's not really there at the moment. So you said Diaz is a guy that you might consider now as as a borderline uh, he'll, top 100. He'll type be in guy. the top 100. Would he be above of above uh, Tucker? I think I'd take him. I'm going to put him ahead of Tucker. Okay. Yeah. So I, had I Tucker at 88, I believe. Yeah, I oh, sort right. of ranked. I'm. Uh, I, I'm. I've got the spreadsheet. I've got like all the list of guys that I'm going to consider putting in. And then I got to take a few guys out that have graduated, like your, your Brian Buxton's, Corey Seegers. And then there's a few guys I'm going to take out just based on injury or. Some probably graduated. Yeah, some graduations, injuries. Some guys are going to get bounced. So there's going to be a brand new top 200 on the site probably before the end of the month. It's nice. going to be kind of an undertaking. Uh, yeah. But I'm going to try to sit down and do that uh, likely early next week. But, yeah, I think I kind of tried to rank him in this article in, in terms of where I'd probably have him on a top 200. So, yeah, I think Diaz probably in that in that 60 to, to 80 range. Uh, Tucker probably in that 80 to 100 range. Interesting. Let's move on to Daz Cameron of the Astros. Player I was hoping my Reds would take in the draft because he just kept falling, uh-huh. uh, falling because of uncertainty as as to whether he would sign his deal after being drafted. But, uh, you know, the, the tools are definitely interesting. Of course, Mike Cameron's son. What did you see from Daz Cameron? Yeah, this was kind of what I expected as well. I, I, he's just a guy who's going to be an extremely slow burn, mm-hmm. I think, in the minor leagues. Uh if it, if it wasn't if if he didn't play plus center field i think that there would be legitimate questions as to whether he's 
a guy that even gets to the big leagues, given like wow. where he's at uh, offensively right now. Um, he's just he's he's got so much learning to do that when watching that watching them do take BP. There was just a ton of teaching going on when he was in the cage and and kind of coming out of the cage, like just still even just working on just his his swing, like his general swing and like, just when, like when when to make, start like it. Line driving balls, yeah, and like uh, you know he actually he did hit a double and a triple in the in the two games that I was there, but it was all it was all pull pulling the ball, and I think it was all on uh, kind of mediocre pitches you know he wasn't really squaring anything anything up of note uh, it's he's really good in defense he made a he made a nice play he was in right field one day with with tucker and center uh actually out outranged tucker which isn't like a surprise he kind of caught the ball uh sort of where the center fielder would usually make the play on the ball and, and did sort of a diving or a sliding stop and and made a nice play out there definitely think it's it's big league caliber glove in in center field but it'll be really interesting to kind of see how that bat develops uh he's got some speed uh i saw him go go home to second probably say currently 65 speed maybe um so it's not not game changing like in terms of uh, like a byron buxton or a malik smith or billy hamilton or anything like that but it's it's definitely plus right now, uh, maybe plus plus. But yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if he gets uh, demoted here in in the coming weeks or or months, just if he continues to sort of struggle the way he is. Uh, ton of strikeouts so far. I think it might be best for his development if he was in a in a short season or back at rookie ball. Yeah, now up to twenty two strikeouts and fifty six plate appearances. Maybe he's a guy who. You know, went to high school in Georgia, spent most of the last year in the in the Southern Leagues, Gulf Coast League. He may be having some hard time adjusting mm-hmm. to the, the Northwest weather, but still looking for his first home run as a professional. I don't – I really don't see that coming anytime soon. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's not – in games, it's not over-the-fence power right now. Uh, I – I thought it was kind of a aggressive assignment to begin with to to send him to low A out of the gate, uh, but you know maybe they maybe they wanted to sort of show him that he's maybe not as good as he thinks he is, yeah. uh, and kind of give him some some humble a pie. Check, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that that might have been what that is. That's interesting. Yeah, he could. He's certainly eating that humble pie right now. I mean, one forty six average. He does have seven walks, but still just a two fifty on base, and uh, yeah, two triples, two doubles. But yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing that homer coming, especially if he's still, uh, you know, still trying to figure it out in the cage at this point in the year. You know, you'd think you'd have some confidence in your swing in the cage at least right now at this point in the year. But long term, I mean, you said you don't see that first pro professional homer coming. Long term, what's the power? Look like? I. I didn't really see enough to to put a a confident grade on on that power long term. I mean, he's physically like he's he's built like someone that should have twenty homer power, mm-hmm. uh, especially as he continues to mature physically. But you know, it might never really 
come. You know, there's a lot of guys who just athletically we always assume that that power is going to come, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So we're we're really kind of not going to have a, a realistic idea of what he's going to be until probably three years down the road. Very interesting. Well, you mentioned that Marcos Diplin stole the show on Monday. He was the the show stealer. Fanning six along just one hit, no walks in four innings. Needed 76 pitches, but threw 50 for, uh, for strikes. What is the repertoire of pitches like with Diplin? So when I went there, I, I everyone know like his fastball is his best pitch. Uh, was sitting 92, 93, touch 94, but last year in rookie ball he was clocked uh in the upper 90s at times and i think that as the as the weather heats up you might see that that velo rise back to around 95 96 but you know the from what i could tell from scouting reports on him was that the slider or curveball i mean i've seen it listed differently in in different places but that was his second best pitch that was definitely not the case in this outing. And when I talked to him, he kind of uh, backed that up. Like he, he got a couple guys swinging for strikeouts on a changeup. And he said that that's just, that's a pitch that he feels most comfortable with right now, uh, other than his fastball. It's a pitch that he's really been working on. And given, you know, when his, his fastball location's on, that changeup can just be devastating because he, he gets ahead in the count and the, the hitters are trying to time up that fastball and then they just have no chance against the changeup. Uh, he was throwing it up in the zone, down in the zone, didn't really matter. Uh, nobody was squaring that up. Barely anyone was squaring up the, the fastball either. The, the pitch count got so high because he was kind of leaving some fastballs up, so hitters just kept fouling him off. But... Uh, you know, zero walks. Like, I think he probably had five or six full counts in four innings and didn't walk any of those guys. So that's that's kind of impressive. He had the the command when it counted, and you know, if, if that breaking ball can take a step forward and kind of join the the fastball and the changeup, I mean, the, this kid could really be something. What are the swag grades looking like for some of these kids? Because last year you you went to what, Northwest Arkansas and you got to see. No more Mazar. And you said, I mean, you came back the next week and said, look, this kid's got major league swag. He's he's going to be in the majors soon, and you hit the nail on the head there. Any of these kids that you kind of see see the fire in their eyes and just think that maybe uh, they can rise quicker than expected? Uh, <laughs> well, Hard to compare well, anybody no, to Mazar. Or even Nick Williams last yeah, year. He had, he had swag oozing out of his ears, too. Uh <laughs> Monty Harrison has like a ton of swag. Can't say how much of it's deserved or not right now. He had a, a Jesus piece around his neck and uh, just, just really. I mean, just way too much swag to be too honest. <laughs> then, then he, then he really should have at this yeah. stage. You have to back it up. Um, you know, former three sport star. He had a commitment to Nebraska to play football and baseball. I mean, so this kid's kind of been a big deal for for most of his life i would imagine mm-hmm. so i i kind of get it but uh he's he's got a kind of kind of focus on the the task at hand i think Dip, diplon and diaz um both both above average swag grades I, I think diaz i wouldn't even necessarily call it swag as much as just 
kind of fire like i mean just really kind of into the game and make um, it right yeah. yeah and and diplon uh really chill like a really cool customer nice. uh obviously did like i said didn't didn't speak much english but um you know definitely his his walks off the mound were just you know elite in terms of how slow they were you know just <laughs> i love that just the slowest walk off the mound ever after after kane a guy you know which which uh, is something is a, i appreciate a great look yeah because you really Johnny not, used to do that you're not yeah you're not slowing the game down at all no. like when poppy takes 40 seconds to run around the bases after a home run like that's slowing things down yeah. like you can take as much time as you want getting back to the dugout there maybe uh, adjust himself a couple yeah, times yeah. in the process <laughs> well, that's good to hear that but Harrison's still still packing that confidence, even though he was demoted last year. He yeah. ate some humble pie. He sent back to rookie ball. Not really, apparently. Uh, yeah, <laughs> apparently he, did, he threw it back up or something. But, uh, let's talk about some of these other guys you got here. Jake Gatewood was another one who's demoted. I think it was like to rookie level Helena after struggling at, at low A last year. Any signs of improvement in what you saw? I didn't realize it was a small sample, but anything took away that was positive? Not really. Uh, very impressive physically. You know, as soon as you kind of see everyone working out, like he, he's the first guy that sort of stands out from a physical standpoint, but uh, swung at just some really bad pitches. Uh, swung at like a pitch that may have hit him in the chest if he <laughs> hadn't gotten – uh, like he, he swung and like got out of the way at the same time. I think it was like a fastball too. So it's like there's no, there's no smoke and mirrors there. He just decided that he was going to swing that time, and it happened to almost hit him. Um, Great to always have your mind made up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just don't. I don't see it. I've never been a Gatewood guy, and I just think at this point, like as a dynasty league community. You you sometimes just got to say, all right, well, why don't you just let me know when you've figured it out? Because like you you don't need to roster Gatewood pretty much anywhere. No. I think he'll tell you if it's time, and then you can go mm-hmm. pick him back up. But right now he's kind of still where he was last year. Yeah, I remember when he was drafted in 2014. Derek Van Riper and I we found this video of him hitting some home run like over the fence by like mm-hmm. 50 feet, like near oh. a pickup truck or something. I mean, but that's the thing if he can't. If he's just so, you know, if he's just guessing and unable to to take any walks, show any sort of patience or, or pitching eye, you know, able to pick up different pitches, uh, it's going to be tough for him. He could put on uh, an insane BP, you know, yeah. if, if he wanted to. Like, I mean, like he's just that, hitting straight fast. Yeah, it, it's not – the raw power is definitely not in question here. And I think he can – he could probably handle third base, but, you know – He's still just 20 years old, too, so like mm-hmm. definitely not a guy that... All these kids are young. Right. You shouldn't be giving up on him, but it's there's no reason to own him right now. Guys, a couple quick notes from our sponsors. Daily fantasy sucks when you lose. When playing against sharks on popular DFS sites, it can be really hard to make money. At And One Analytics, they give you the lineups that win. Their custom-made algorithm turns the odds back in your favor if you had entered $10 in 50-50 leagues on the top two DFS sites every day since November, your bankroll would now be sitting at $616 using and one analytics lineups. That's right, $10 turned into $616. And one analytics tracks the results of their lineups every day so you know exactly what you're getting when you sign up. Use promo code ROTOWIRE when you sign up to get $10 off 
your first purchase at andoneanalytics.com. Use that $10 that you saved to start finally growing your bankroll this MLB season. Stop losing in DFS and use and one analytics so you can play with a purpose. That's and the number one analytics.com. And do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Any of these other... Anything you want to mention with these other two players you wrote up here? Uh, Freddie Peralta and who's this other player? Carlos, uh, Carlos Balonis. Balonis uh, is kind of... It's a just, solid name. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. Uh, just more advanced, uh, kind of a more advanced version of Monty Harrison. Not, not quite the raw tools, but he can play all three outfield spots like Harrison can. Uh, he's off to a really good start this year. I think that you know someone to someone to keep an eye on. He's a little old at 21, but he he missed most of 2013 with a an injury, so that's that's kind of why he's he's where he is age wise. Uh, Freddie Peralta, one of the arms that came back to Milwaukee in that Adam Lynn trade, he was pretty nasty out of the pen. He, after after Diplon got pulled, Peralta came in and and tossed three and two thirds. Uh, really just live arm, uh, three quarters delivery, but the, the release point, I mean, he was kind of all over the place, lo- uh, location wise, had a, had a few walks in that game too, but when he did throw strikes, hitters couldn't really do anything with it. So, uh, don't really see him turning out to be a starter, but I think he could definitely be a, a late innings guy. Um, on the Astros side, I mean, even I, I was talking to Peralta and Diplon and, they're just not impressed by that Astros roster. Like <laughs> I was, I was asking them about the the hitters on the other side, and they're like, "Yeah, no power over there." <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. Yeah. So uh, it, there wasn't other than Cameron and and uh, <laughs> Cameron and, that kind of and Tucker uh, for the the pedigree. Not really much to mm-hmm. see on the the Houston side. Well, that's interesting. Great piece, by the way. Uh, cool that you were able to interact and, and talk to some of these players as you were last year and looking forward to more of these throughout the season and that trip next month. What's coming next week on Farm Futures? Do you know yet? Uh, be taking another tour uh, around a, a league on either the hitting or pitching side. I, I tried, you know, last week, um, you know, I, I felt it was important to kind of touch back in on, on A.J. Reed and Joey Gallo, so that's kind of why mm-hmm. I ended up in the – the PCL, but 
I'll, I'll try to find something that is is pretty relevant in terms of you know either a few players that are really off to hot starts or a few guys that might be on, uh, close to getting called up and, and kind of take a tour through that through that league. Yeah, that was helpful. And you know, last year in stake league, you really kind of killed it. A Rotowire stake league staff league killed it. You know, with picking up the minor league guys a week or two before the price really shot through the roof. Don't want you to tip your hand too much. Certainly don't have to. But just for our users, listeners out there, any players, because we have Fab coming up in that league tonight, any players in the minors right now that you really maybe throw in a buck, $0 bid at? Because I mentioned last week that I'm, I'm looking at Profar in pretty much every league. Yeah. As a stash. Um, I'm at a spot in that league where I need – I need producers. I need guys that are gonna <laughs> gonna give me give me some production. Um, one guy that I got a bid on is Aaron Blair, who's who's probably I would imagine gonna get the call to start Sunday. It, it's probably either him or Mike Fultonevich. You might even know this by the time you're listening to the pod who it is, but he's been killing. I think Blair's the guy. If, if I was Atlanta, like you don't really worry about. The, the service time thing with Blair. Uh, you've already got that extra year of control. Uh, Fulty, I think Fulty just needs some more work, you know? I mean, I, mm. I just don't think you're really gaining anything by, bring, by like, rushing him up, you know? He's, he's three starts in. Uh, mm. Control's been a little shaky. I think Blair has earned the promotion there. So uh, wins are going to be hard to come by. Definitely don't judge him on that last outing. He's not going to be that dominant in the big leagues, but – He's someone that should probably be owned in fourteen team leagues, and then I've also got, I've also got a zero dollar bid in on Josh Hader and Jameson Tyon. Nice. A uh, lot of I won't put any bids. <laughs> mo- most of the key, like pitching prospects that you guys are all stashing right now, they're owned in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hader is off to just a crazy good start uh missing tons of bats not really allowing is he at double a anything at all uh, i believe he's at double a yeah um i i just think i think that he's he's earned at least a he's earned something i mean he's <laughs> he's killing it right now and then tie on i i don't know i don't really think he's gonna be up in even the next month but I've got so many guys that don't deserve to be on my roster anymore that I've got a lot of zero dollar <laughs> bids out there. So we'll just we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, early in the season, you don't want to. You know, I I try to avoid too much turnover on my roster, but that's the thing. If if there's some guys on your bench that just you know aren't gonna really crack your your roster unless you're really desperate, uh, it's time to start flipping that bench over a little bit at this point. Hater, yeah, great start. Thirteen innings in his. Uh, only 13 innings and three starts, but 19 to 6K to walk down at double A. Only one one run allowed. Uh, yeah, I mentioned I got <clears throat> got that bid in on Profar. Gallo, is he owned in that league? Because I figure he should be. Mm, let me check I figure he should be owned in, in a lot of formats at this point as well. Yeah, he's owned. Yeah, I would think so. There's we, a <laughs> we paid up big for Mazzara in NFBC. We did. We absolutely had to. <laughs> I know that we hadn't. We had literally no choice. Yeah, after losing Schwarber, <laughs> we didn't have a choice there. Uh, I know Shinsu Chu said he thinks he's going to beat his the front end of that timetable, even because he was with the team working out, starting to ramp up his throwing a little bit. 
Uh, I'm really. I just intrigued. don't see how they can send him down. I'm. I'm. I don't see how they can send him down either. Uh, stranger things have happened. I. I think it would just be. It would cause such an uproar, especially on like the players' unions, players' union side of things, if they sent him down for a couple of weeks. If he's like the best hitter on the team, basically. <laughs> You can't go from hitting in the two hole and earning that spot to being optioned. Really, I, mm-hmm. I just don't see how you can justify that. Uh, and look, that I mean, Ian Desmond—they don't have a ton of money committed to him. I don't think it's crazy to to move him to a, a bench role, especially given his versatility. Yeah, how much he's struggling right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I like with Aaron Blair too. I just hate hate the idea of keeping these kids in the minors when they're clearly ready. I mean, if there's, you know, maybe a little bit of seasoning, sure, but I just think let me ask you, let me ask you about what what do you think about Bobby Stevenson? I like think he should be stay in the rotation because the Reds don't have anything to lose. I mean, maybe when maybe when Bailey's back, John Lamb's back, you send him down, but did you get to see that second start of his? I didn't get to see much of it. Um, Watch the first. I've just, I think it's been interesting what he's been doing. Um, I think it's interesting what he's been doing in terms of the the numbers he's putting up because I, not really missing too many bats, and I would have thought that he would have just been racking up the strikeouts and racking up the walks mm-hmm. like initially, and that didn't end up being the case. So well, I mean, I'll take that trade off. Maybe it hurts his value a little bit in fantasy, but if that whip's more manageable, no, maybe it I, evens out. Yeah, I like it developmentally to yeah. kind of uh, – I wonder if they're kind of telling him, you know, which pitches – maybe they're just telling him to just pound the fastball in there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think it's just kind of interesting what he's been doing. He did get option back down. Got to get Alfredo Simone back in that uh, – Got to get him. Back in that rotation, <laughs> but – I think he'll, you'll see Stevenson up for – he'll make more starts in the big leagues this year than in the minor leagues. I yeah, think that's pretty clear. I think so too. But, yeah, with, with guys like Stevenson, Blair, uh wasn't so much the case with Mazar. But I understand getting the, the extra year control. But worrying about Super 2 just, just really bothers me, especially when they're – I'm sorry. i got to do this. I mean, you're taking the <clears> – it's like the difference – on some of these guys, it's like <clears> – <throat> It's it's less than like eight million dollars, um, and you're talking yeah. about something so far down the road. Like exactly, if you're the GM, you might not even have your job then. <coughs> that player might not be at the majors by then. Yeah, like, you might, or not, might or not be professional on your, base. Might not be on your team. Like yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of factors at play. I think it's especially it, with competitive teams. Too. <coughs> the drives, only time drives me crazy. The only time I think it makes sense to to worry about Super Two is if you are a uh, small market team that's not contending and you have just an elite prospect, yeah. and it's going to end up saving you like twelve, fifteen million dollars to mm-hmm. have avoid that extra year arbitration. Then I then I get it. But in in all other instances, I would not be too worried about that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. If, only if it's those elite. Elite type of arms. Like if the Reds have had Lucas Giolito, I'd want him to leave him down past Super Two. But uh, I think the Nats would be wise just getting that extra year control and then bringing him up. But we'll if see. the Reds had Lucas Giolito, <laughs> <laughs> look, I, a boy can dream. Can't he? 
Hey, that's that's all that is. But <laughs> with the with the team like the Twins, like I was talking to Roadwire President Peter Shanky today. He's a big Twins fan, and he just said, you know, hey, Tommy Malone struggled yesterday. I just, you know, man, I hope we get we get Barrios up pretty soon because I think a lot of people are stashing him. I think that's justified for sure. But you know, if they keep him down until early July, late June, <coughs> I'm gonna be pretty mad. They don't get enough hate. Uh, in, they don't get enough hate in general, but they don't get enough hate for uh, the way that they operate as a small market. When in actuality, yeah. they like I, I, Jack Moore, who who does some work for the site, wrote a great piece I think for Vice Sports about how they are a top fifteen market in terms yeah. of what like that they, they are they not a stadium that they fill. Yeah. Much they are not day. a small market. That that is a team that can afford to spend money, and should not be playing these games uh, when it's a year when the you're coming off a year where you like overachieved. Do you really want to be that team that takes a gigantic step backwards and doesn't even stay competitive into the August and September? I mean, I know you made some terrible deals on some of these free agent pitchers, but there's there's ways to you know, get still get some value uh, out of that rotate those rotation spots if you got mm-hmm. a guy like Barrios. Yeah, that's why I wish. That's what's just so frustrating because you know we, we use our best judgment, best logic coming into the year on on these stashes, but logic you know doesn't always prevail no. in some of these cases. No, a, lot, a lot of questionable decisions around Major League Baseball uh, that you think would be you know with so much money and so many people chiming in so many scouts so many think, numbers you'd think that they'd make the right decision but it doesn't always happen i think i mean i think it is important to say like we don't know even close to what they know about these guys like yeah, obviously true. like the twins know way more about jose barrios than than i do but just given their sort of track record of mismanaging prospects and just doing really bizarre things just on the 25 man roster and the way that you know they decide to to play players like now they're given Arcia all these at bats but they refused to last year and like earlier in this year they were giving Danny Santana at bats over him like I don't understand what has changed and they call Kepler up to ride the pine like Kepler like they're basically treating as like a like a Chris Coughlin type or just, just kind of a a nothing guy that they they have ride the bus and then if they're it's like they can't even mix him in ever like he has like i don't think he had an at bat in like the last six days or something maybe one but it was like i i I expected them even if he wasn't going to be an everyday starter to find spot starts for him i think eddie rosario is gonna eventually start losing out on playing time and i think byron buxton's gonna eventually get option to triple a And I think Kepler's going to find his way into at bats that way, because I think he's probably a better hitter than Rosario and maybe more big league ready than Buxton. But I mean, it's just it's a. I I said in a comment I made a comment on uh, Vlad's barometer because someone was asking about uh, these pitching prospects, and I just said I'm I'm done trying to predict when Jose Barrios is going to come up because mm-hmm. could be this week, could be three months from now. I really. Mm-hmm. Neither one would surprise me. Yep, we we try our best, but it's yeah, you just never know with with some of these prospects and uh, with Kepler. Yeah, I think he could find his way into the bats, but 
you know, single season league or stake league, I'm going to cut bait with yeah. him this week because there's just no point. And if they're not going to, he's not getting regular at bats. I mean, who's to say how he'll do once he does get those? There might be a fair amount of rust there. That'll do it for the prospect portion of the prospect podcast, sponsored by AndOneAnalytics.com. We are going to grade our latest hip hop artist, uh, grade their tools on the twenty to eighty scouting scale. Five tools we've established for evaluating hip hop artists: lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, swag, and then overall grade. Ton of eighties handed out last week, grading Notorious B.I.G. None this week, grading no. Luda. No. Luda what was the biggest grade here? A 55. He got a 55 from each of us, uh, two different categories. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, this not a not an elite hip-hop artist. Not, not <laughs> a standout tool either, but let's see. Let's start with lyricism. I got a 35. I mean, this. I think maybe he kind of started the the downward trend in the hip-hop <laughs> Hip hop community in terms of quality of lyrics really matter- mattering. <laughs> he was a pioneer, pioneer in the in the in movement the... for lyrics to not matter. The lyrics hit the back burner in the early two thousands. <laughs> he he was flying the flag. Actually, I'm doing a. I'll be honest. I didn't put a ton of thought into these grades. Yeah, I'm doing a little <laughs> bit of. Um, I'm I'm doing a little bit of adjusting here on on a, on a couple of these, but um, all right. Look, so I haven't listened to Luda in probably five plus years, and I never was a big fan. I'm gonna. But give, I heard enough of it to to come up with these. Grades. I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him a thirty for lyricism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, it seems Hard like it fair. seems like all of his songs were just kind of a like a really dope beat, like a hook that everyone could remember mm-hmm. and then just filler kind of to Tons get to get back line. to the hook you know <laughs> yeah. and uh like there's no <laughs> one one luda lyric that stands out in my I'm, mind. i can't think of it i can't think of it. um maybe or well i can think of like the lyrics to area codes yeah, just because like he's naming area codes like yeah. <laughs> holiday uh yeah <laughs> the the lyrics on the song move ish yeah. get out the way like <laughs> those are those, those are, are about as lyrics. 20 as get. <laughs> I was, flow i got a 50 on that was a saving grace in terms of in terms of appeal mainstream mainstream appeal good beats couple that with a decent flow being able to ride the beat all right that was uh allowed him to have quite a bit of commercial success yeah, I think it was it, it more like his voice. Like I think his voice really resonated with white people. Uh, I th- Very think good I point. think especially like white women, um, like <laughs> and really just middle school aged white people. I think mm-hmm. really really got on board with his his general voice behind the mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Listen, three times, second album, Back to the Future, three X Plat. Next mouth three X platinum. Yeah. Chicken oh. and beer three X platinum. The red light district two times. I mean, dude, he's a moved, five time dude platinum moved artist. units. He, really <laughs> he moved units until like. his most recent release in March of 2015, Ludiversal, which has sold to date a mere 130 thousand copies. Yeah, that hurts. S- signed to. Uh... <laughs> He th- is this Battle of the Sexes? Is that a real album? Like it looks Apparently. like a, 
A weird compilation like yeah, CD. What the know. hell is that? Theater of Mind. I don't. I don't know. I. I just last I saw him, he was on like a Comedy Central roast or something. I remember. All I see him. I remember hearing like "Ass Song" off of 2006's release therapy, <laughs> and just being like, "Oh, okay. I'm. I'm fully. I can fully ignore <laughs> Ludacris now. <I'm> fully out. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I remember hearing songs off of the Red Light District, which was a 2004 release, and then that mm. that's kind of where it all ends for me, and that kind of takes it to the uh, longevity, or I give him a 50 for flow, uh, longevity, I give him a 45, but I'm going to actually change that after checking out that discography. And Yeah, I got to bump him up from 35 to I, probably 45. I want to put him at a 40. You know, he... That's a crazy discography, though, in terms of moving units. I mean, a lot of units out there. Uh, back for the first time, I mean, that that just... that <laughs> Everyone had that album. Um, you know, his, his uh, affiliation with Biebs. Look, I know Biebs is kind of a guy that more... More hip-hop fans, I guess you could say... Uh, are are showing some respect to, but his affiliation with Biebs kind of dings him in my eyes. Too. Let me ask you what what's what do you think the best Ludacris album is? Ugh, probably Word of Mouth. Yeah, I think that's what everyone would say. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty it's pretty plus cover to that album too. Uh, you know, Saturday, Welcome to Atlanta. Welcome to Atlanta was my jam. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there there were yeah i mean that there were some there were some bangers on that album um all right freaky things featuring twisted and jagged edge i know there was a jagged edge and <laughs> luda song that i hey man atl uh, gotta yeah. gotta stick together atl uh, <laughs> so okay so impact i i went 20 i <laughs> i i think you know i, I, I think like down. i like your theory that he was the the instigator <laughs> for the downfall of lyricism yeah, and so like you so. could even make a case that he had negative impact on yeah. the game. <laughs> i think if we're being honest <laughs> he really did if, yeah. if i could go lower than 20 i, I think i would you know what? i'm bumping it down to 22 because <laughs> yeah when you do more harm than good you can't have anything more i think than yeah if you if you eliminate him from history i think the rap game's in a better place right now. it is you know it was shortly after his <laughs> emergence that everybody started saying hip-hop is dead rap yeah is dead. yeah and i think i think nas was really kind of referring to luda and saying that so 20 impact swag i got a 30 30 <laughs> got a 25 i gave him a 25 look there's there's not i feel like here. i'm being generous yeah you're being very generous um i respect the rose from back in the too. day but yeah. uh yeah, I mean, this is a dude, like, I've seen, I, I'll willingly admit that I've seen all of the Fast and Furious movies, <laughs> and he it has the least swag in those movies of anyone, including yeah, Tyrese, who's a complete a complete <laughs> fraud in those movies. Uh, Man, Ludacris, is, Ludacris is the bottom of the barrel in terms of swag on that crew. Wow. <laughs> saying a lot. I mean, you mentioned his success with white women. <laughs> I think that gives him a, a few points. Uh, but yeah, I mean, his on-screen Look. charisma. <laughs> I mean, he, he he just does not have any sort of it factor. Whatsoever. No, I don't. I don't know who he appeals to on screen. Because <laughs> like I like his lyrics were like kind of you know dirty in the way that like uh, 
some like R-rated comedies are dirty. Uh, but he's like, like the Marlon Wayans of hip hop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like the Kevin Hart of hip hop. Ooh, that's a good. One. <laughs> I think th- I'm pretty sure those two are boys. But uh, so I got a thirty. You got twenty five. Overall, I got a thirty five. I just I lowered it. I got a lower. <laughs> just lowered it. I'm gonna drop it. That has to. Couple thirty five. Is that the lowest? Is that the lowest mark? That might be one of the lowest. <coughs> let's see. Yeah, that's the lowest that mark the in lowest, terms of individual yeah. hip hop. In fact, I hadn't given out a grade below fifty. I I'd given out a forty. And I give forty five to shine. I have a forty on Juvie and a forty on Feral Monch, so thirty five to Luda. Sorry, bud. Bottom of the barrel right now. That's the score to beat if you want to be the the worst solo Man. rapper on the pod. Juvie a forty grade. I had a fifty. That's a seems a little harsh, but I respect <laughs> I respect your opinion. Guys, thanks for listening. If you've got an artist you want us to grade or prospects you want to talk, want us to talk about specifically next week, hit us up on Twitter. James is at RealJRAnderson. I'm at ClayWLink. DVR, I'm sorry, Spore and Zola. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.